Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 163 of the Distraction Pieces podcast, and I am joined today by the wonderful Laurie Penny. Um, we have an amazing, intricate chat. Um, I really enjoyed it because there's a few things I get wrong and, and Laurie corrects me on, but I think that's important. Um, and we had a lot of discussion afterwards, actually, if, because, because Laurie was writing an article that references some of it, asking if it, I, I was okay with her kind of, pointing out the mistakes I maybe made and I was I was like yeah I'm fine with that because it's important um, I don't know it's if I'm making a mistake there could there's probably someone else in the world who's thinking the same as me or, or would make the same mistake as me so I'd rather make that mistake and be corrected acknowledge that and and move on than uh than go no deleted from history I'm never wrong I'm infallible um I'm wrong all the time um, one thing I wanted to to clarify at the start of this, and I'll get onto all the plugs in a minute. Um, we, I'm, I, I half mentioned this podcast on the Drunk Cast, and I mentioned how I say to, to Laurie in this podcast that I don't identify as a, a, a feminist. Now, an explanation for that: a hundred percent identify as a, a feminist supporter. Hundred percent identify as a fan of feminism. The only reason I feel uncomfortable declaring myself a feminist is because I've I've got a penis um, and I'm white, which puts me in a position of great privilege. Um, so whilst I can empathise and agree with and fight alongside those who have to to fight the daily fight that um, a lot of women have to fight, it feels. It feels it's not my title to give myself as such. I know I know that that sounds weird, but I, I just wanted to clarify that because I, when I mentioned it on the drunk cast, I was drunk and I don't think I explained enough. And I think it it was me implying I don't support f- feminism or I don't agree. I hundred percent support f- a feminism. I think feminism, like every movement, um, has areas and, s- and sections that disagree with each other. Uh, let alone m- me agreeing with or disagreeing. But yeah, I just wanted to make that clear in this start bit. Any reluctance to call myself a, f- a feminist feels like is 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 from my feeling of a lack of qualification or right to do so rather than support. A hundred percent would declare myself proudly a supporter of feminism, a feminist supporter and any other term that can be used in that way. Um, so yeah, I wanted to get that in the start because the point where I say that this podcast is sponsored by Speech of Element Records, I reckon some of you probably skip this bit because I say it every week, but um, it is sponsored by Speech of Element Records, so check us out, speechofelementrecords.com. We've got loads of good stuff. As we declared last week, uh, my birthday gift to you all was a new free music section at speechofelementrecords.com, so you can go and help yourself to, to, to some of the back catalogue absolutely free to download so go and uh so go and enjoy that um what else do i need to tell you oh ireland what's up ireland i'm coming your way the distraction pieces podcast is coming to you live on september 21st at the tavoli theater in dublin uh part of the dublin podcast festival or irish podcast part of the podcast festival that's in dublin um i can't wait man I'm really excited and I'm pleased that you, that you guys seem excited. I know there was a lot of people that were gutted that when I did the podcast tour last year to promote the book, I couldn't couldn't fit in a trip to, 
to Ireland. So despite the fact I'm meant to not be doing any live podcast this year because I'm really swamped, when this opportunity came up, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do one in Dublin because I love Dublin, I love Ireland. The way the podcast works is you guys are the guests. I mean, if anyone's about that I know that could be a good little extra guest, I'll get them on for, for five, ten minutes. But the main guest is you guys. And I don't mean I'm going to pass a mic out into the crowd. I mean, I'm going to have mics and a chair set up on stage. And you, the, the way it normally works is at the side of the stage, I get anyone who wants to come up to start a queue. And then you come up and, and we have a little chat. So you, so you can either ask me a question about anything in my life, any episodes, any career stuff, or you can pick a topic that you'd like to discuss with me, or you can get your view or opinion out on something. Um, so yeah, that's how that's going to work. I'm really excited about it, and I'm hoping we get to to ram the room out and have a lot of fun, because it's been a while since I've been to Ireland. In fact, I've not been to Ireland in like three years, because I've stopped gigging. I've got no business out there anymore. So I was excited to have some business out there. Anyway, um, the the tickets are available now. Swoop them up. It's I'm very excited. It's going to be great. I won't be doing any dates outside of Ireland because we're literally, I'm swooping over for that. And then I've got my club night in London on the Saturday. So I'm I'm, I'm in and out. It's There's no, oh, I'm, to be honest, I shouldn't be doing this one, but I love the Irish and they're always a great place to go and uh, and have some fun and do some gigs. So I couldn't resist. So come along to that. And of course, as I have mentioned before, Sage Francis and B Dolan, they're at the Edinburgh Fringe. Go and see their tr- technology so- show. Um, it started on August 4th. It's on to August 27th. It's every day except Monday. It's at 6.30ish, I think. Uh, the Newtown Th- Theatre. Um, go and ch- ch- check it out. It's amazing. Also, check out... Rob Alton while you're up there and kind of have a look through previous Distraction Pieces podcast guests cross-reference that with the Edinburgh Fringe and and, and make some new new favourites it's going to be amazing let's get on with the podcast eh? Um this is yeah I really enjoyed sitting down and talking with Laurie I think she's a wonderful intelligent uh, a young lady um and it is it, it it's good to have these open discussions and debates where we may not agree with everything or i'm i'm or 100% i may not have all the the appropriate knowledge so it's great i don't know i i love ones like this where i feel i'm learning more than i'm adding if that makes a sense obviously i'm the host i'm meant to be, be, be adding stuff and helping and putting in my opinions but i like it when i can just kind of a lot of it i'm sitting back and and asking questions because I want because I don't know the answer as such so yeah anyway hope you enjoy this one I'll be back at the end with a little bit more information see you in a bit Casually about anything and everything. I've got notes. Oh, hey. looking at my phone. That's not all right. Because I've lost interest, or I'm on Twitter, or answering emails. Um, okay. Many strands of thought. We can go anywhere and everywhere with this. So, so let's begin. Yeah. Um, I'm joined today by Laurie Penny. How are you? I'm all right today, thanks. And this is a, a, a lot of these podcasts are me. I talk 
a lot about how it's me forcing myself to be sociable with mates that I never actually see. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, I'm working, we'll do a podcast and chat. But, oh, but this is nice because this is the first time we've met. And yeah. um, you'd mentioned, uh, we'd discussed you coming on before and I was kind of had a, a load of guests backlogged at the time. And then I did a tweet a little while ago. And I mean, it's a good place to start considering some of your uh, writings and topics. But I did a tweet saying, I don't book based on gender, mm-hmm. but um, the next... Few weeks are a bit male heavy yep. so can people recommend some uh, some female guests and i had a few people saying you've just said you don't book based on gender but then you're booking based on gender and oh, m- my kind of <laughs> argument i get it completely because i it's it's genuinely a conflict for me i have people regularly say oh you should have more women and i see that as somewhat a sexist request because they're not requesting specific women. Right. If, if they were saying, oh, you should have this woman, this woman, this woman, then that would feel better than just you should have more women. Mm-hmm. So my point was, though, when I had, had Josie Long on and we were discussing, I was saying, look, I don't best book based on gender. And her argument was, but the view with which you're seeing your potential guests is tainted and leaned towards a male demographic because yeah. of the way the industry is. And the example I I felt was kind of illustrated well was like, i love ricky gervais but his big argument against a religion is often i don't need religion to tell me what's right and wrong i'll go off of the bat oh, i don't need the threat of hell to do to be good but what he's ignoring there is he's his 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 views of right and wrong come from a society that was built on Christianity and on religion. Yeah. Therefore, that's the background there. And I think it's similar here. So I'm going a long way around it. But the reason I may have more male guests is because the entertainment industry in general for a long time has been tilted towards males, yeah. towards greater opportunities of males. So As that's loads kind of-, of industries are. And look, one of the reasons in every industry that a lot of... You, you find that panels or podcasts or whatever have more end up with more male guests yeah. is... Men are kind of socialised in a way, it's not their fault, it's kind of a good thing, where they'll see an opportunity come up and they'll be like, yes, me. Yeah, and, yeah. and women don't do that because women are like, oh, you know, be a bit nicer. And the thing, like, I, I've been dying to do this for ages because <laughs> I want to, like, partly because, like, my ex-girlfriend is obsessed with this show. Amazing. And, uh, and I was like, I will do this just kind of so I have something <laughs> to talk to her about because, like, Perfect. I don't want to just text her out of the blue, <laughs> you know? So basically, this is this is that. But then I was, oh, when we'll I saw that tweet... We'll send her a selfie afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Like, we'll oh, my God. We're done. Oh, my God, I've got to send it right away, if just I'm allowed. In fact, the studios that, that, that we're in now are next door to a bar. So whilst I'm not drinking at my right, we can go and sit down on the tables outside the bar. So it looks as if we're just hanging out. Just, oh, my God. Just kicking it, just... <laughs> Just having a drink. She, she's going to die. It's, but yeah, so when I saw that tweet, I was like, yes, in there. I would love to do this. Yeah, and but- I said a, a load of people put your name f- forward. as just as a strong v- a voice, really, coming. And, and we'll get into kind of mm. the background. But being, um, you know, an established author, but coming from the world of, of, of the internet, coming mm-hmm. from online journalism, online yeah. blogging, and that kind of thing, rather than maybe traditional forms of academia in in, mm. in in that respect, it kind of, it positions you nicely in the current a world where there's been kind of an about face and the online world is as powerful, even not more powerful than the, 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 the printed press and so on and so forth. Oh yeah, absolutely. Print is kind of a retro format in some ways at the moment. I, I always get 
I'm fascinated when I'll talk to editors and they'll be like, well, this is only online. Do you mind? It won't be in print. I'm like, it won't be in what? Is this, what is this dead tree thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I came up doing journalism and essays through basically blogs, um, yeah. through Live Journal, which I miss. Yeah. Anybody who's listening who was on Live Journal, I'm sure misses it too. It was a lovely, lovely place and Facebook is not the same. I mean, same. it was, it, that's it. It was, it was a, it was a, a social media site as much yeah. as 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 a publishing area it was a place for people to go here's here's my diary yeah it's, it's sort of like dear reader kind of, dear, dear diary <laughs> it was lovely and then you kind of recognize people based on whatever little picture they chose which was never yeah. their face it was whatever their favorite harry potter character was it's it's, it's interesting because at that same time and this is going to sound like a strange comparison but again it's subjects i think are perfect to talk to you about but at the same time as live journal I was a member of of the Suicide Girls website. Oh, and at yeah. that point, it was far more of a social media thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't simply, oh, here's some naked girls. It, number one, the basis of it was meant to be his alternative to the the mainstream of, of nudity or whatever else. And it was it was very much an empowerment thing. And it was made, <laughs> m- or was meant to be, it was made by women and all that kind of thing. But the thing that I, the, the reason I'm not on there anymore is because other social media sites kind of became better. And it kind of yeah. it, it proved to me that I wasn't ju- just there to look at naked girls yeah. because as soon as the social network side of it died down a bit, I was like, right, I'm not there anymore. I'm it's on Facebook dull. and Twitter and, and yeah. Instagram. And I'm that sad that Facebook ate live journal. Yeah. But, you know, I do a lot of my best stuff now in a kind of blog format. Yeah. And it was just... So I came up in journalism around the time when... You were still, when you were training and coming up, told that, well, you know, if you want to actually have, you know, a voice and put your opinion out there, well, you've got to start out, you know, reporting on flower shows and dog shows for some local paper. Right, yeah. And then you've got to go and be a news reporter. And yeah. then when you're maybe 40, 50, if you're lucky, you get a column and then maybe yeah. you get a column to do what you actually want to say and just, <laughs> just, just sort of wait, wait. And, you know... At the same time, I was just putting it out there on, on Blogspot yeah. and, you know, my, my terribly designed website because I have absolutely no design sense whatsoever. It was red and pink. Amazing. And, um, That's and bold. That, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a bold choice. And that took off much faster than the stuff I was doing, which was much more mainstream. And um, that's always where I've kind of, based what i'm doing it's for that online audience where you can sort of find your people the thing it's, about yeah it's such an important thing that that the online our world has given us is the realization that it's about find or it's far more rewarding to find your audience than an audience or a big audience and and you have it particularly when i was coming up in in, in music the goal you want to get played on radio one daytime yeah <gasps> oh my god there's oh, yeah. millions of listeners it's this big thing and we had a couple of plays on daytime but you realise that if they're playing my kind of stuff in between Girls mm. Aloud and Blue, which again, it's fine, <laughs> they're perfectly good, but it's mainly going to annoy people. I mean, yeah. it's going to be the song in the middle that they're going, well, get back to what we want. Whereas if they're playing my kind of music on at the time on Zane Lowe's show or Hugh yeah. Stevens' show, then they're going to be excited about it because it's the right place. It's 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 rather than finding the biggest audience it's it's finding the most appropriate audience Absolutely. well there's this saying going around that the mainstream is dead and i yeah. think that's been that's been true in other kinds of genres for a while in in, in music in art there's always been this strong kind of feeling of an underground yeah. like influencing everything but in writing at the moment 
there is this there is almost an underground in writing and in political yeah, writing too which is which is kind of a new thing you, you saw it last maybe in the 50s with yeah. the beats and alternative like the the new journalists new journalism like with the, your Tom Wolfe and your Hunter Thompson yeah. but like now there there's an underground in political writing as well some of the most important political writers out there and they're often obviously also women also people of color queer people people yeah. who like mainstream papers if they publish those people, they'll have one. Yeah, you know, they'll yeah. have one spot for a woman, and, one and, spot. And we've got yeah. that covered then. Yeah, like, oh, we've no, got we've it covered. Got, yeah, we've got a woman. We've got one so, lady. You okay. can't do that too. But it's, I mean, it's a great comparison because it's, it's also the the beat generation of writers mm. was was uh, shunning the pretension yeah. of, of 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 writing of of literature mm-hmm. and going, no, it doesn't have to be this, it doesn't have to be that, it can be a whatever it wants to be, and that's a similar thing now, and it's. It's it's equally exciting as it is worrying at points because again there is that anytime you've got a new underground movement it's also the beauty of it is that it's un- ungoverned yeah but the horror of it is that it's ungoverned <laughs> absolutely <laughs> you know it's that kind of that's what's exciting about it and also what could be it's folly in the yeah. end but. well there's there's no rules but maybe there should be a few guidelines yeah. I don't know and also so if we're talking about underground and writing stuff a lot of people have said to me over the past year or so like saying like hey you know we're following the the hunter thompson model and the gonzo thing and like i've been thinking about this a lot right particularly because last year i went and i did some gonzo stuff i've often done like what sort of gonzo style reporting and people are saying oh you know you're doing the explain gonzo it's kind of throwing yourself into it and very much experiencing it rather than observing it's, it's, it's uh it's a reported narrative that centers yourself in yeah. some way. Like it tells the story of you experiencing a thing rather than that fly on the yeah. wall. Here is what happened, A, B, C. And this was pioneered. So rather than overlooking it, you're yeah. in the middle of it looking around. Or and it's, it's meant to be fun. And I mean, the yeah. classic one would be, you know, your fear and loathing in Las Vegas, the campaign trail. But actually, what not a lot of people know is that this wasn't invented in the 60s. People would, women were doing this, you know, 50 years earlier. It was Nellie Bly in America wow. and Dejuna Barnes. And, um, you know, so when people say, oh, you know, it's, you know, girls are doing gonzo journalism now. It's like, well, girls invented gonzo yeah. journalism. And, but kind of. They I just mean, weren't ar- arrogant enough to no, give it absolutely. a name after their own, their own work <laughs> their and approach. Own stuff, yeah. Also, I mean, <laughs> like, I, I feel like when people say this to me, I feel like under some pressure to, like, take a pile of drugs and stay out all night, which yeah. I, I kind of hate to do because I've done all that yeah. before. And, like, oh, my God. So. Earlier this year, I, it was a terrible mistake. I mean, I went. Right. I was like, I'm going to go around America and I'm going to do Gonzo reporting, and Amazing. and and so I went to. Um, we started out in LA, me and a friend of mine um, who's a musician, and we're like, right, we're going to do like the Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas political thing, and we're going to rent out a hotel room, we're going to fill it with reprobates, we're going to have all night parties, and it's going to be like hardcore, <laughs> and then the. Um, the first morning, we got this deal in a hotel room, this ridiculous suite like in LA. Yeah. And um, and when we planned to do all this stuff, and then the first morning we went down for the free hotel breakfast, we didn't realise how strong the coffee was. <laughs> so, like, so like, I had two coffees, she had yeah. three. And so by, like, ten in the morning, I was, like, having an anxiety attack, and she was having a full-on <laughs> panic attack. So we spent the rest of that day, like, in the hotel room, having a panic attack, watching videos of cute animals to calm amazing, down. Amazing. And, and in the end, like, we had a party, but we were like, let's have a pyjama party with, like, 
friends and crisps and everyone wear onesies and like talk about calming i think that's I mean, the new gonzo i mean that sounds wonderful the it was first, amazing the first version was exhausting to me and yeah, terrifying i can't handle that kind of thing yeah but... i'm really into like naps and tea and, yeah. and that's my kind of different gonzo version at the moment and like having a nice time it's, it's the a new approach isn't yeah. it it's it's the new approach see it, it is an exciting time in that respect and it's but it's finding it's finding the journalistic style that is right to you for the right r- reasons mm. i think and again just <laughs> putting myself in the middle of it i i found i i I've, I've 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 been writing like films and ideas for, for years and for ages like the first film i shot like which we've never actually released yet it was I, it was unscripted and it was very much on the Shea Meadows approach of, mm-hmm. right, we're going to have the ideas, but then we're going to improvise it and all this kind of thing. And I realised on a script I wrote recently, which is the first time I've properly written a script and it's gone down well and it's been signed yeah. by a production company, this kind of thing. I realised that I was choosing the Shea Meadows route because I'm lazy. <laughs> and having a script where I don't really need to write the script, we kind of just do it artistically. Yeah. If that's right for the project, which which we've shown it 90% of the time is, but I think it can also open up to a lot of lazy people going, well, I go across that route. And it's similar with a lot of the journalism of going... You can just make it up you, as we you go can go, along. Well, yeah, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a new journalist. It's new journalism. I'm, I do yeah. it my way. I don't have to research this. It's kind of... It's, it's a fine line, isn't it? It's finding the right reasons yeah. to, to take these new approaches. There's a lot of... There's a lot to be said for doing your research and putting the work and the hours in. Because yeah. a lot of this stuff that seems off the cuff, whether it's writing or musical films, whatever, is actually there's a ton of stuff that's gone into it in the background. And Completely. like, you know, I'm I'm very pro craft yeah. myself at the moment, even though, which is an interesting thing to say, I guess, if you're doing a lot of nonfiction, which is what I do. People yeah. have the idea of, if you do fiction, I, mean, I also do a bit of fiction done a bunch of fan fiction yeah. but like they have this idea that you know you go and you work on your on a line level with what you're writing but with journalism there's not you know that same idea that you go back and you read what's been done and you put your spin on it and you work you know you work on that line level yeah. but it's really really important because it, it's not you can't really tell an interesting story about that because it's just you sitting in a room doing the work but that's yeah, what 90 percent of it is yeah and 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 again i think even as you touched upon, sometimes some of the most amazing things can be that that moment of spontaneity mm-hmm. or that break, but that often can come and be great because of the the the, the footwork that's been been put that's been put in ahead of it. Yeah. The prep work that's gone ahead that allows you to be able to react in that moment to be able to n- know the tone to take and the and the and the direction to go in. Right. Yeah. Like a good friend of mine says, um, I'm not sure if it's her line, but it sounds like it is. She says, uh, you ought to learn the rules like a professional so you can then break them like an artist. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think that's awesome. So so let's kind of uh, uh, rewind back. I want to get onto in fact before we rewind back, I I I have a habit of lazily trying to start at the beginning and tell a story. But yeah. let's fuck that off. Um, <laughs> simply because with podcasts, it's an extended media and the earlier discussion points are always the most de- debated and discussed. Ooh. So let's talk about your most recent book now oh, yeah. rather than at the end when we're right. everyone's kind of zoning out and switching mm-hmm. off and we go, so so what's going on now? And yeah. no one's listening. So, 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 yeah, right, what's so- your... your your current book about i've got a new book coming out it's my sixth book it's called bitch doctrine it's a collection of my columns and essays mainly about gender and 
politics that relate to gender and mm-hmm. I, what's called identity politics. I've got a problem with that word. Um, but, and, what, yeah. but what a time to be having those discussions and that debate, right? Right. I mean, the thing about this book is that, I mean, we were putting it in place last year and I basically thought, well, you know, this is going to come out under a Hillary Clinton presidency and we'll probably have, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, we, Brexit will have kind of gone the right way and it'll be a yeah. bit of a dull year. So probably these columns aren't going to be that relevant. And, um, and then 2016 happened and everything exploded. Yeah. And, um, and the, the only person who's allowed to be actually glad that this book is somehow more relevant is is my agent who's yeah. an agent so yes. they're allowed to do this he's like yeah. oh my god laurie this is great news i'm like it's really not great it's news really not. i would really rather have a less relevant book in a world it, not on fire it's, but, it's it's a thought i always generally had because this is a weird one but my dad his whole career worked in a uniform factory in the uniform industry mm-hmm. so he didn't work in arms or anything like that but he made right. uniforms for a lot of display stuff in the uk for mm. police and for armies all around the world and it always struck me that there must be the weirdest conflict of when you hear a war breaks out there is going to be sadness but some part of your business mind quite humanly is going to go oh there should be some more uniforms needed soon because sadly there's going to be you know it's it's (laughs) fucked up and horrible but it's it's a true thing and it's it's a similar one here that as 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 horrible as it is it's kind of it's ideal for what you were talking about and what you are talking about. Not not ideal. It makes it all the more important and all the more prevalent, right? Absolutely. But, so I've noticed this split. Yeah. And it's not not universal, but around the time just before the American election and especially just after the American election when everyone was so surprised that this awful thing had happened, I saw some journalists um, go... This is going to be a new age of political writing. This is going to be amazing. I can't wait. And like comedians as well. Yeah, it was a big thing in comedy like, as well. So, oh, we're going to have so, so much to write about. But now. kind of like universally, almost universally, the people who were saying that were like young white straight guys. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to pull them up and go, "This is not exciting. This is awful. This is yeah. really bad." And yeah. you know, and for me, like this hasn't actually been a super creative time the past few months i've been just overwhelmed by stuff i should be writing about unable to go and you know go away and do the focused stuff because every every morning you open twitter it's like an anxiety attack it's It's the it's the consistency and level of it isn't it Mm. that i think has shocked or should have shocked everyone um and it's again it's the thing uh, trump's a prime example and we don't need to bang on about trump he's been debated up and down constantly but the the fascinating thing about him is, again, if you were a comedian who thought, oh, this is going to be like Bush, mm. we're going to have all this material to attack this guy. The problem with Trump is he has a Bush-type moment every couple of days, yep. whereas Bush would have a couple of years that you can focus on and mock and build material around, whereas And then it he'd say something it. like, the French have no word for entrepreneur, and people still remember that because that's one... Yeah. But, but compared to, like, Kofefe yeah. or, a, you know the gif of him attacking a journalist the other day yeah it's just it's overwhelming and it's this constant constant. bombardment of stuff and and the pressure to do instant reactions hot takes and then and you wonder there's i think there's a bigger there's a bigger call right now there's a bigger role for culture that takes the step back and tells a broader narrative because what I don't know if you've read like the shock doctrine, Naomi Klein no, stuff. No, I've got it at home. I've oh, got it's it at home. I but this idea that like how 
you know, people react by kind of going into themselves and going into panic when they're constantly bombarded by awful stuff. Yeah. And what, um, what the global right want at the moment is for, is for people to be constantly focused on this uncertain present moment, this, you know, this rolling panic attack of what's yeah. going on. And actually what's needed is people, whether it's, you know, writers, artists, journalists, musicians, storytellers, to, to tell a broader story about mm-hmm. the past few years, the next few years, because yeah. we're at this critical point for the, for the whole bloody species. Yeah. And we can't just be focused on what whoever it is said on Twitter today. It's happening immediately. So as a journalist, do you think it's the the culmination of something that's been coming a long time of of the whole th- of of the whole whole news cycle thing? Mm. And again, I think Trump is painfully aware of this that in the past if something wrong is said or done, then people will try and correct it or backtrack or whatever else. Whereas yeah. now there's an awareness that oh there'll be a news story in a couple of days. And with Trump, it's the awareness that, oh, I'll make a news story. <laughs> like, so he can get away with it. It's like if something horrendous is said, rather than backtracking or focusing on it, it's it's the awareness that the way journalism has gone, and part of it is down to social media and the speed of news mm-hmm. being reported, the way journalism has gone is that people are so keen to react immediately on what's just happened, yeah. rather than, as you said, a reflection of us. I've said before that I'd love a news story station or channel or website that's all either last week or last month's news yeah. that, that, that we're not going to be the first but we're going to actually have, have researched yeah. it it's going to be thought out and reasonable so don't come to us if you want the first the breaking take. news that's inaccurate and theoretical and mm-hmm. drenched in 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 theory come to us if you want stories that are, are researched yeah. and proper the ice cold take is yeah. what i'm into right now partly yeah. because that's what i can manage because yeah. just reacting to every single thing and the pressure of that is just a bit it's too much it's a it's bit constant. much as, and also because like, um earlier in the year again it seems like a an odd time to do this but i gave up writing my weekly column at new statesman because it was just with everything else i had to do was it was too yeah. much and i'm focusing now on you know longer form essays as well as like a bit of fiction that i'm doing which yeah. i if, the more I talk about it, the less real it becomes. So it's yep. a very private thing. I'm the same on that but kind of thing. It's not porn, by yeah. the way. Like, I don't know if you've <laughs> found this, but the general rule is whenever a professional writer tells you that they're working on something private, like just for themselves, that's porn. They're yeah. writing yeah. porn. Yeah. Like, I've tested this out, and it's universally like them writing porn yeah. for themselves. I'm and that's dirty. fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this is not that. Right, excellent. Um, I, I promise. I love it. But um, It totally is. <laughs> It's not. It's not. <laughs> like nobody, nobody has yet found my fan fiction, which I'm Amazing. glad about. Um, Great. Mainly Buffy and uh, Harry Potter. Awesome. Like, um, but like, look, I'm working on the longer stuff at the moment because I think that's what the that's what the need is for, and that's where my that's where my strengths are. But that's no. I don't mean saying all this to kind of disparage the work that actual news reporters are doing because yeah. they're more vi- vital than ever at the moment I, but I, th- I think it's a really key and rare thing and it's something uh, uh, like i had someone t- t- tweet me recently saying um they expected me to talk far more or give far more social commentary and talk mm. on 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 big events and my response was i do but only when i feel i can add something yeah. that's not already being said and not just shout as a badge or into an echo chamber or whatever else. I think there's a huge amount to be learnt from people like yourself who has got valid points and is a qualified journalist but is act kind of going, 
look, people are covering this. Yeah. I don't, my voice at this point doesn't add anything in the mm-hmm. moment. My voice may add something if I'm stepping back and looking in further detail, slower, but in that moment, there's people who are covering it. Absolutely. There's also an awful lot of people who are making a mess of it. So me <laughs> shouting into them or arguing yeah. with them is just, it's muddy in the waters all the more. Also, I mean, this is a mistake that the left makes and, you know, the centrist media and news journalists make all the time when they're thinking about strategy. Although, of course, particularly in America, you're not, uh, you're not meant to say that news journalists think about strategy. They're meant to be right. very objective. But the idea, the fallacy at the moment is that, is that objective truth, real solid facts are what's needed to counter the opposing narrative. And facts are good. We do need those, but they're yeah. not enough. They're so because, retro. You no, know, well, I mean, the facts are not retro. But look, it's, it's about... It is a, a, a depressing fact that people... And again, it's what... Not to keep going back to Trump, but it's what Trump made a success of. It's yeah. like the, there's a huge majority of the public who just want to be told something. They, want a t- they don't they want need a the facts. Story. They don't need the backing. They don't need all of the ins and outs. So just here's here's the rough. Here's the suggestion. Simple, you know, easy to get your head around, comforting. And it's about competing stories mm. and, and competing moral and ethical visions. And I think one of the things that's happened, like the latest election in the UK, for example, is that like Labour and the left tried to actually went down that track of rather than saying, well, no, the Tories are wrong about this and that. Here's our bullet pointed list of facts. They were yeah. actually offering a different story. And they could have. It really didn't matter what it was. Honestly, the yeah. fact that they actually got their act together and did it. That's what like alternative narratives, alternative like ideas of how the future might look that aren't just bleak and blank yeah Yeah. it's that's what's important i think right now as much as having that basis of you know reporting what's actually objectively true a hundred percent because because at at that point of of taking again of of instead of getting into just a tit for tat as Mm. as as hillary and trump did it did did feel like labor did go no here's our stories yeah um the slight problem I think is, and again, it, that was a step away from it, but it was at a point where the left, in my mind, was becoming as guilty as the right had been in their in mm-hmm. the in, in in the lack of facts, in the lack of research, yeah. and the lack of journalism. And it's like, well, my argument, and people would have a go at me if I I called something out, but my argument is when the right say something absolutely ridiculous we should all jump on it and say, look how ridiculous that fact is. Here's the stats to back yeah. it up. What an idiot. But we should do that with the left as well. You can only all you're doing is is giving the opponent ammunition if you're not being as stringent on your own own reporting and facts as you are on on theirs, right? Yeah, it, and it makes me feel a little bad to be honest because you feel like I don't. I feel like the left doesn't mess up half as much as no, the right does. But the thing fair. is that you know, as with as with feminists, as with people on the social justice side of things, the standards you have to apply to yourself and to your own people are, are just so much higher. Like, the right can fuck up everything and release, like, a report that's just completely made up yeah. and completely grounded on nonsense. And then the left can mess up a few key things or, you know, just one one response. But, you know, we have to be on it because we yeah. have to hold ourselves yeah. to these different standards if we didn't then 
it will be a lot easier, it'd be a lot faster and more engaging to create this narrative, but we also wouldn't be the left anymore. Yeah, it would I agree be something completely. else. It's it's the key the key point of holding themselves to to different standards. So mm-hmm. rather than saying, well, we got m- more right than them, it's like, well, what the fuck have they got to do with anything? <laughs> They're idiots. Yeah, when you remove, let's not be comparing to, to them. Let's be comparing to ourselves. And absolutely, when you let the the other side, whatever it is, set the agenda, it's like on those. Um, what I hate doing is those panel shows where they just put you up against somebody who they think has the opposite view to you, yeah. and they just want you to yell at each other for seven minutes yeah. or whatever it is. And it's just like that's, and it's, and the thing is, if you come into one of those conversations as somebody who actually cares about what you're saying, you've already lost. Yeah. Because whoever it is who cares least about their about this supposed agenda or yeah. whether it's like, you know, tax rates, whether it's housing, whether it's abortion, any so-called hot topic which, you know, actually affects people's fucking lives. Yeah. Um whoever it is who cares least and who just treats it as a debating point like bloody public school debating point they'll always win yeah and this completely. is what i found when like reporting on the far right is just is not caring is an advantage in those debates that's why they want to draw you into them yeah it's 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 a fascinating one i have a lot of people put forward for this show who i don't have politicians on in general and i i don't go into that hugely but i don't agree with our current political system mm-hmm. so i wouldn't want to to, to adhere to either side and there's people on the left that I think have got some amazing ideas and are great but I don't agree with the whole system in, yeah. in a whole so it's it's an interesting one again we won't go into it in huge detail I mean an example being with the recent um, as we're recording this it was a couple of days ago the big yeah. march against the mm-hmm. Tories now I've I, I've been going to marches for years I've, I've always been an activist I'm not anymore simply because I don't believe in these situations in marching against the system when you've engaged in it but then it hasn't gone your way and i'll ex- ex- explain that yeah P- prior to the election i did a few different tweets asking if there were any gatherings or marches that we could go on mm. against the way the political system is set up the way it's corrupt the way coalitions can come together that uh, i did i didn't word it exactly mm. like this because it's it's viewing the future but yeah. the way coalitions can come together to put in a power that isn't voted for by the majority and this kind of thing and there wasn't anything going on so my argument there was well if you were willing to play the game on the off chance you'd win and then when you don't win go well this is corrupt this game doesn't work no it's not changed it's not changed since before the election and after the election just the result hasn't gone the way we wanted but anyway that's not (laughs) one of as i'm going off off target but the reason i don't have people on often from the right and things like that is because mm. i'm not a journalist i'm not here i don't want someone on to argue with i want to hear someone that i'm interested in not that i agree with everything on that doesn't yeah. have to be a, a proviso but that we can have an engaging conversation i can see their points yeah. in this rather than someone who i'm going to disagree with wholeheartedly and therefore we're going to hit walls and just be sniping and as you said just having those little well you're in it well you don't know that well you're on it you know what I mean? yeah, those, it's just exhausting and so yeah. many people on like on on that in that oppositional mode think it's really fun they'll be like yeah i'll have a debate with somebody who i hate don't get it at all like, no, i don't get just, it it's a waste of my time it makes me sad it makes me I, tired i go home and i'm cross i've had i've had friends in the past um who I, i'm not that close with anymore in all honesty because they would say Oh, we love having an argument, don't we? And I'm like, no, we don't. I don't. I just have some opposing views to you, and if you bring it up, then we'll discuss it. I'm not 
arguing yeah. for the sake of arguing. I'm just being honest. And yeah. but there are people who have that. Oh, I like I like to get that. I like to butt heads on this. Yeah. Like, nah, I'm I mean, good. I'd rather we relax and have fun and have a nice time. Yeah, I mean, the more that this, the more polarized uh, politics becomes right now. Yeah. The more I find myself, you know, my my politics themselves are becoming like as radical as they've ever been. I mean, radical is a word that always sounds pretentious when you use it, but I'm as left as I've ever been, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I find I want to hang out with people on the left less and less and less because it's getting so nasty and so, you know, I, I kind of measure my commitment to this stuff by how how nasty people on the left can be. Completely. And and I still agree Completely. with what they're saying. Like, you're right. Absolutely agree with you. But I just don't want to go to those parties You've got anymore. To check yourself on the regular to yeah. make sure that you're one of the good guys. Yeah. I think that's a, a genuinely a, a, a valid thing. I think most of the bad guys throughout history i'm doing little yeah. quotation marks um I'd, I'd guess that the majority of them haven't been aware that they're the bad guys until history is written they've do you know what i mean so again i think that's almost an important everyone thing. thinks they're the good guys yeah almost so it's important everyone. to check that on the regular and go oh hang on is this as nasty and yeah it's a tough one but let's talk uh, i mean we touched on i mean the new book it's a perfect time to be talking about gender politics yeah. and everything that's going on there and it's it's one that fascinates me because i i have to just open my ears as much as possible as a white male yeah. um and i had um a lady called jordan gray on the podcast mm-hmm. who's a trans a, a woman from from tilbury and she's had two things that have opened my eyes up hugely a, a one on that podcast and one on 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 the hardcore listing podcast and, and the one on that one was i was asking all these questions about terms and about yeah or what you can say and all this kind of thing and she did have to pause me and go just so you know i can only answer for me yeah absolutely i, like, I can't answer for the whole of the trans community it's like <laughs> yeah. i live in a small town in essex here's what i feel is okay that might be different to what someone in and you know i'm not we don't have regular meetups and discuss well, well this term is now okay and that term isn't anymore do you yeah. know what i mean it was like it was an interesting one there and the other thing that and this is just one i want to mention here because it blew my mind when i heard it and it it changed my views i genuinely i had felt um i'm supportive of the trans community Mm. but personally i don't think i would ever end up going out with someone who who used to be male and that Mm -hmm. was just something in my mind i didn't feel comfortable with it and that's changed now i now feel i would because she kind of just pointed out she went you realize everyone you've ever been out with or the the fear that sl- sleeping with or being in a relationship with someone that used to be male would make you gay in some way. Yeah. Her argument was, you realise everyone you've ever slept with are used to be a child <laughs> and that doesn't make you <laughs> a paedophile. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, that's amazing. I, I genuinely, it, it genuinely made yep. me go, right, if I met someone and we connected, I wouldn't care because it's, 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 it's this and that. I'm, I'm not into willies. So you know, that that's just a personal thing. That's not yep. a prejudice in any way, but it's just a personal taste as such. Um, but yeah, it blew my mind. It was like, yeah, that's an amazing way of describing that. Of going right, it's weird that we have these things in our mind that, well, no, it'd make me gay if this. It's like, no, it yeah. wouldn't. It's, well, it's who you're with now, right? It's who, it's who sexual, that individual is now. You like that sexual panic as well. It's something that a lot that the trans community has to deal with a great deal. Yeah. Because I mean, look, let me even in the it, acceptance, even in those accepting. But also, I mean, let me like with no offence intended at all. Let me like put this back to you, right? Yeah, go ahead. Like what a lot of people like, and particularly a lot of women, whether they're trans women 
or, you know, women who are doing feminist politics, when we try to talk to men in general or the world at large about something we'd like to get more visibility for or about rights, like the automatic the automatic response from men is, how will this affect my sex life? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And and like that and that's completely. how like that's that's how you know that's how a lot of particularly like you know white straight guys i'm you know i talk about you know women's rights in the workplace something very basic and and like whatever it is i'm talking about i'll see on on the internet like the most common response is from you know guys who want to give me hassle is yeah but i wouldn't fuck you yeah, yeah but yeah. you know i don't think that's sexy it's like well i don't care this is not about your again, erection yeah, completely like, and again the fact that the big the big realization i had there uh, is is the breaking news to the trans community <laughs> that scroobius pit might be willing to sleep with you it's like oh, amazing wow, it's sorted <laughs> <laughs> the world's okay we'll, right to the un we'll get to potentially at some point it's like no that, no i completely i get that and i can see it's it it is an odd one and it's it's a very intrinsically male th- thing and it's a fascinating one because as a male, I'm very, uh, I, I, I find it hard to say I'm a feminist because I'm a white mm. man. I find that just a conflict yeah, for sure. me. It's like I, I support everything for feminists, but I've not been through any of this stuff. So I, right. I, I feel it hard to say, to, to take that crown as such, to take that honour as it were. Sure. And um, But again, I'm, I'm, I'm very supportive of all these things. But it's that weird thing of there's, there's, there's always going to be that, certain things in your in your mindset that need to be reprogrammed that but, is very fine. white male is very you know look I, w- I was saying to a mate the other day um I, and i talk in this book i've written about men a lot and yeah. i find myself talking about men a lot and men and boys when i'm talking about feminism and it's actually like you know it is difficult for guys to handle a lot of this stuff because a lot of stuff is changing very very fast changing mm-hmm. in a positive way but a lot of the way that guys are raised makes it actually really kind of hard to not be a dick at some point like and it it doesn't mean it's it's okay to be a dick but it means that it's objectively it's objectively harder there's a lot of work that needs to be done and and whilst i think people should do it i empathize with that i mean the way this came up like we had a we were just talking about a mutual friend who'd been an asshole in a very kind of stereotypical bloke way that doesn't evenly describing honestly just fill in the blanks mm-hmm. um and i just i just looked at it and i said i sometimes wonder what kind of dickhead i'd have turned out like knowing my temperament and my capacities and my kind of my tendencies if i'd been born male like yeah. i actually I, i'm really grateful in lots of ways that i was born and gendered female because i had a lot of expectations on me to to be a nicer person to be yeah, more so sure. i'm not a naturally socially responsive person I'm quite a selfish person i kind of trying to take charge of a conversation like i'm doing right now for example i, I, I think a humans quite naturally are though um, yeah. i can't remember what if it was on a podcast or what but it's been a belief of mine for a long time i think humans are, are great but i think we've got a massive misperception in the fact that it's human nature to be nice and to be lovely and to be positive i don't think it is i think it's something that that we work hard on and that yeah. should be addressed and acknowledged that we work hard it's on it. about maturity my argument has always been exactly that if you've got t- 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 two kids playing and one takes the other one's toys the other one's natural reaction more often than not will be to hit them or to lash out in mm. some way or physical now 
we spend a lot of time in as society and as families and as people turning ourselves into people who have that more conscious mind and more humanity but it still means i not that i'm forgiving of any sorts of atrocities but i can see how a human can do something horrendous equally i can see how a human Mm. can do something absolutely beautiful and amazing so it's it's that reality but just just going back to what you were were saying there it's it's another point that people particularly in the modern world seem to think it has to be a one way or the other um that and what I like is your openness there to going, right, that person is acting like a dick. They need mm. to be called out up on it. They need to be correcting it. But also, I can understand why they're acting like a dick. I can empathise in some way and, and put it into a level of how much of a di- how important is it that they're this much of a dick. And the thing that comes in there is I think any developments within a community are always going to take longer to understand from outside that community. So if all these developments are happening within the female uh, world as stupid yeah. as that sounds as if it's a little group where everyone hangs out but still there is a, a, a disconnect from the male world to the it female takes, world so there's going to be that has thing to be, people have to be allowed time to learn and fuck up and make mistakes whoever they are like i fuck up all the time writing about race as a mm. white person yeah, right? and because completely. i'm because i'm i write S- about social justice scares issues, me to death of course it, all, but, all of these subjects just would, because of that yeah it, i would rather be like well-meaningly wrong than just ignore something altogether because you know i write about social justice i've got a big platform i can't just ignore the entire issue of race and that means that i'm i'm trying to do my best i'm reading loads i'm talking to loads of people but i'm gonna fuck up i do fuck up and and i will fuck up in the in the future and and people have to kind of there has to be a a learning curve yeah right and that's what's great i think in many ways it's it's almost a social responsibility as someone with any kind of profile to to fuck up and own it and address mm. it and do it publicly so that others can learn from your mistakes as such. I had one recently where um, I've released s- swimwear as merch, so I've got <laughs> I've got girls swimming costumes, guys swim shorts, leggings, all sorts of stuff. It's crazy. I was I was really excited about it because it's this unusual thing, and someone called me out out when it launched and i'd got a lot of positivity because the photo shoot i used men and women of all different shapes and sizes mm-hmm. and it was it wasn't just skinny instagram people um and someone messaged me and said look you've got the swimsuits up there you've got this the sizes yeah. and you've got small medium and large and her argument was you don't need both why are you telling me that say a 12 is a medium a 12 is a 12 why do you have to put a size on it? And I kind of thought about it and I thought, hmm. is this being oversensitive? And then I thought, no, they're right. To to tell someone that that a 14 is an extra large, I, again, I'm not sure what the exact exact size Clothing were, size is, 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 then, is then putting an unnecessary descriptive label on a numeric label that's already right. there. A size 10 is a size 10. You don't need me to have someone in size 10 and go, oh, by the way, you... You're also medium. I'm, I'm what? Excuse me, you're medium. Oh, do you know what I mean? And, and again, I thought it was a great point. So I changed that and addressed it publicly. Because again, I think a lot of people would go, oh, it's political correctness, it's oversensitivity, all that. It's like, Gone in that mad. instance, it wasn't. I yeah, looked it at it and went, no, nah, that's cool, man. You're right. That's that's a valid point. That's and a valid so change I people, can make. So many people can't do that, right? Yeah. Particularly, particularly white people, particularly guys, because a lot of people. Say, if we're talking about gender, a lot of people say are going to fuck up about something or say something sexist 
They get some pushback, and what they hear being said is, "You are an evil male. You're tainted.、Mm-hmm. You were tainted、mm-hmm. from birth, and you know you'll never be right." And actually, what's What they want is just to ch- to change, to become mature, to be a better person, to maybe say sorry, and that if you do those things, that ought to be enough, right?、Yeah. For some people, it'll never be enough because some people just want to shout on the internet, and that's that's fine. They're yeah, always、yeah. going to be the yeah, the yeah, shouters, yeah, of course. But like, and when a lot of people say, you know, you did something racist just there, what a lot of people will hear is, well. You know, I'm I'm a racist person deep in my core, and you know you might be, but we have no way no way of ever knowing that. You can't、yeah. see into someone's heart. You can change someone's behaviour and make, you know, make the communities function a bit better. And, and the responsibility there in that case is surely on both sides. Yeah. Those approaching the calling out and going, look, that's that's not really cool, man. Rather than going. You, you disgusting human. This is, you disgusting. Which, me,、yeah. which again is very internet. It's very、mm-hmm. and and we will demand that people lose their jobs and demand that people are shamed and all this kind of thing. And it's、yeah. like, well, it's I had John Ronson on here when he 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 just just released. Oh yeah. So you've been publicly, publicly shamed, shamed、yeah. and and it's great examples on there. I'm going. No, there are people who've done stuff that are wrong and they need to be called out on that. Do they need to lose the, the their jobs over it? Depends what their job is. Maybe not. Depend. Yeah, exactly. Is their job relevant to it and all this kind of thing? And it's it's valid on both sides. There, I guess that you have to call both out. That What's that? All of a sudden. Oh my goodness! It's a weird hum, isn't it?、Mm. Maybe it's the internet coming for us. Oh, it's, it's, no! It's, it's given up. It's given、right, up. It's、okay. coming back. Yeah, no, the、done. internet's given up. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, so the responsibility is on both sides, right? The way you react to those people attacking you, and the way those people attack you, as such. And also, like, I mean, while we're talking about this,、um, you know, this is—I've had callouts and shaming happen to me a lot,、mm-hmm. and some of it was I genuinely fucked up. Some of it. I don't think personally I mean, that I did. The, actually, the, the fact is, is, as a female journalist who's who's tackling,、um, yeah. Gender politics and feminism. The, the internet is is it's, is it's a, a dangerous place, is a is, yeah. yeah it's a thorny place and to women say the least. women tend to get called out more you、yeah. know feminism. But what I wanted to say on that is like it's happened to me a bunch of times and it's not you know I'm still here yeah and for a lot of it I did learn from it was shitty at the time and I felt awful but it's not like it's not the world's Worst thing that can ever possibly happen. Like a lot of you know guys in particular, I hear them talking about oh you know with dread as if you know this is the worst thing that could happen. I'm like mate, you know try being a woman for five minutes. Like,、yeah. and when people you know yell at me and like you've said something racist and you know one time I did say something that was accidentally racist, didn't mean to, but I'm like what's worse, being called out for being a racist or Racism, or like、yeah. spending your entire life experiencing racism. Yeah, you know,、yeah. it's it's not on the scale. It's it's not. It, it's just you can't compare it. And, and, and work is being done still. And they're all topics and communities that are fluid, that are constantly changing.、Mm. So what? Again, it's the it's the the scariness of being anything where where what you say is documented, documented forever and ever.、Yeah. Is that things over time can. And as as you showed as a human, your opinion should develop and change and grow. But you can easily go. I've looked back, and you wrote this thing ten years ago, and that's、oh、racist. Like,、God. it was silly at that time. In this time, it's racist. Do you yeah, know what I mean? It's kind of it's- well. I think about this as um, it's it's a new stage in terms of human development. Like so, I I kind of compare it to to the develop 
to cities, right? I was, I've, I've been trying to get notes together on this, but so this is the metaphor. So when when human beings started living in cities, yeah. right? Everybody started moving to the cities. Industrial revolution. We we built these amazing cities and amazing communities before we'd actually learned how to city. So everyone moved there, but it was stinking. It was full of a, shit. Like the manure the, crisis. The biggest mistake in human development, in my opinion. But continue. Oh, I, no. I genuinely think <laughs> cities are the biggest mistake. But go oh, on. but I love cities. Yeah. Like, oh, we're no, we're no, never no, going to agree no, on that. No, I, th- I think they're great, and I enjoy them selfishly. But I think for uh, humanity. They're a massive mistake because uh, they're, 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 they're an overpopulated amount of people in an area that can't feed those people agriculturally, like, so on and so forth. But anyway, I, I don't want to like, go no, off no, track no, of right, what you were like, saying there. But like, compare it to 200 years ago when you had like the great stink, you know, London just filled with the streets full of shit. The yeah, manure yeah. crisis in, yeah, yeah, in New yeah, York yeah, yeah. where the streets were full of dead horses. And we had to kind of back engineer yeah. everything after we'd already built these yeah. communities. The and idea of the, all coming together come was up, ahead yeah. of the, the and, way of management. And coming it. up with new technology that nobody had ever thought of, you know, technology, you know, uh, the, the Basel Gazette sewer system had to be just dug under London while we already had London. Yeah. And and kind of, <laughs> I think the internet think is going to be a little bit like that. You know, we've right, we've, okay, we've yeah. built these kind of vast cities of ideas and communities before we've actually worked out how to live in them yeah. in a new... And we're going to have to have sort of social infrastructure and social architecture in place. I don't know what it's going to be. It'll yeah, be something no, we've not get, even yeah. thought of yet. But it's like, it is like, it's like all this shit is backing up online yeah. everything just stays 100%. in the street you, it can't be recycled we're going to have to work out a way of do, doing it's, that it's it, it, it's so historically h- human yeah though right to go oh look what we can do yeah and then we get to go oh this oh, is a bit much yeah yeah <laughs> what have we done oh hang on let's oh let's let's fix this this is a bit mad yeah and then at the time you know <laughs> you looked at like when when all the when the cities were just these awful places everybody was writing about oh wasn't it better in the countryside when there were all the shepherds and the cows yeah. and the dairy maids dancing around you're actually like you know the countryside was a bit shit too yeah, yeah, it's yeah, mostly totally. cold and you just have to eat potatoes and like you know, and at the same time, now we're romanticising this pre-internet world, or everybody wrote each other postcards, and yeah. you know. But actually, no, it wasn't before the internet. You couldn't really meet other queer people as yeah. well. You couldn't find your favourite writers. You couldn't talk and, about your favourite books as much. And that's what's the what uh, an an un, unappreciated wonder of the internet because I think we jumped from the new reach in a positive to the new reach in a negative too mm. quickly. Um, so we take the positive for granted, but exactly that. Yes, now if you're uh, a trans lady, yeah, you can be abused by someone in another country. They've got access to attack you and be horrible. But you may not have got to that stage if you didn't have this sudden pool of different yeah. people who were feeling the same way, Absolutely. who felt the same way. And so it's easy to fast forward to the negative and the trolls and the hate when going. Well, actually. Uh, all of these communities, a lot of people would potentially have never come out as gay or never um, transitioned yeah. genders and stuff like that if they hadn't or had they, this openness. Yeah. Oh, man, there's people all over the place who or feel this. Or it would this. have taken them until they were in their mid-50s. Yeah. They would have like, wasted their youth trying to be somebody that they're not. And I had still, yeah. still one of my favourite conversations I've ever had. I had Tom Robinson on the podcast. Oh. I love and him it blew so my much. mind that he's he's a person that I know and chat to, and he's a real person in the room. He's not a a, a, a museum piece. He's a real person. Mm. He's modern and all. But when he realised he was gay, 
he didn't only have the, the social taboo, it, it was illegal. Yeah. And it blew my mind to, to, to be speaking to someone. And this isn't, Not that long this isn't ago. someone playing a character from, the, from medieval times. This yeah. is a normal person who's on the radio, who's amazing, who's intelligent. And it blew my mind. It's like, right, not that long ago. He, he didn't only have to deal with, are my parents going to be okay with it? Are my friends going to be comfortable with my, the town I live yeah. in? It's like, oh no, I could get arrested. Or I could be forced to be on hormones and drugs yeah. that will cast chemical Man. castration. That's, they had that. Chemical castration. It's yeah. a thing within living memory. People are still alive who had yeah. that done to them. Purely for this, their yeah. sexuality. And this is now turning into a, man, we're lucky. The world's great. I mean, we're, we're <laughs> very unlucky we in lots of ways. But look, we're, we're talking about how the how the internet and its ability to bring communities together is taken yeah. for granted. I think it still is. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people who I talk to about trolling, harassment, and all of those things, which people want me to talk about a lot, particularly, you know, women and and online harassment. I've not met one young woman or young queer person my age who has um, who would ever say, "I just don't want to be on the internet at all." Like, yeah. never. And I wouldn't either. Like, what all, would I do? <laughs> I think it's a weird one as well that we all start to tell people how they sh- sh- should or shouldn't. A react to these things and i think any reaction is fine there's recently i know i only read the headline because i'm a terrible human but um <laughs> that ed sheeran has left twitter because of a uh, amount of abuse he was getting mm. and it was it was ruined his day and i've seen a load i've seen a load of people being like you've got to have thick skin you've got this you've got loads of no, you fans. Like, you're an artist completely and you can have it's it, it's your right completely to go right that's annoying me I, and i have that that kind of process on on my social media i block people really easily because yep. in my mind i'm not a public service it's not you don't <laughs> this sounds weird but it's like it's not like you have I, i'm depriving you of one of your rights to f- no. to follow my stupid posts but i do have a right to go oh that person keeps just putting snarky little comments they haven't got a profile picture or done any posts so it's clearly something weird and it's it's not ruining my day but it's having enough of an effect for me to click block yeah. And it never happens again. You and again, have, I think that's a perfectly fine... you got to make space for yourself. Because, like, I, I just... I'm really, at the moment, into you know, persuading the activists and artists and um, those people I know to just take better care of themselves and, yeah. and, and uh, into, you know, trying to look after sensitive people and people who might, you know, have a bit more anxiety than usual. Because, you know, a lot of... A lot of artists have got that, and activists, you know, people who care about the world. I, yeah. And telling those people that they should develop a thick skin is ridiculous. Gosh. I don't want a thick skin. I'm a fucking writer. A thick skin yeah. would be a really bad idea. Wouldn't I'm kind of a fluffy you. person. Yeah. I like naps and tea. Yeah. I don't want to deal with eight million people shouting at me about th- how I'm the worst cunt that ever lived. I think the thing that we don't express enough is that you've got to treat your mind right. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've recently, and again, I won't say who... But I've recently unfollowed someone who, who is, I still consider a friend, I've not s- seen in a while, but their Twitter was so constantly angry and negative about everything that I was like, I'm, they're probably not going to notice me unfollow them, but it is yeah. affecting my day. Because every time, and, and, and this wasn't on political stuff, it was every time a film would come out or anything else, they'd be like, oh, this is shit, or that's that. And it's like, yeah. it's like, it's fine for you to think that, but it's also fine for me to go, I don't need to hear that. I can just mm-hmm. catch up with you when we catch up yeah. and we can talk. I don't need to know everything you think is negatively on. And again, I think it's a weird world where we do have that, 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 oh, what, oh, why aren't you following me? It's like, yeah. I don't think it's impolite 
for even a close friend for me not to feel I need to know their everyday motion. You know, I've 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 said that before about and my mum. I love her dearly. I don't care where she is at this exact moment. <laughs> like it's lunchtime. She's probably. In, I don't care where she's having lunch. I'll catch up with her at the weekend and yep. we'll talk about the highlights. And that's not any hate or vitriol. It's just it's a weird world where I said we've fast forwarded to this point where well we can know everything. Therefore, it's rude to not want to know everything. Absolutely. I disagree. I mean, yeah, and and most of the stuff is. I was on. I, I joined Snapchat briefly. Um, and I thought, you know, How from you everything I've been... Oh, no, I, I'm off it. Because, like, look, I, I was told that, you know, I was I was given to believe that Snapchat would be full of, you know, su- you know seditious dick pics and awesome stuff and, yeah. like, the, you know, kind of w- rude and, and kind of dark stuff. And, and it turned out, like, it was just pictures of people's dinner and yeah. pictures of people's pets because that's what people like. They yeah, like yeah, their yeah. dinner and they like their pets and sometimes yeah. their kids. Maybe that's just saying that I'm getting a bit I've, older. I I've, don't know, but like. I've, n- I've, I've not said this publicly anywhere. But but I've secretly had Snapchat for about a year. I go on about once a week. Just I've never right. snapped anything. I've never done an actual. I still don't know how it works or what happens if someone reads it or any of this. I don't know any of that. But I found a few people that I know or like on Instagram, whatever, who had Snapchat, and I was like, oh, I like their stuff. I'll have a look. And it's interesting enough. But I go on a once a week and go. Alright, there you go. Right. That's occasionally <laughs> so the the only times there's um a rapper, a female rapper in America called Malibu Mitch. Ooh. And every now and then she's from the Bronx. Every now and then she'll just do ten snaps in a row that are her ranting about stuff and just being an, oh, cool. a, an almost Bronx stereotype, but it's hilarious. She's such an amazing character in mm. that. So they're the bits that I'll be like, Alright, that was fun. But other than that, it'll go Bang, 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 yep, not interested, bang, 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 not interested. Just a, a, a scroll through and go, yeah, it's not for me. But, yeah, it's it's why I've never been like, here's my Snapchat or this or that, because like, no, I don't think I'm ever going to actually use it. But, like, why would you want people to know about your daily... I mean, I, I've I've told this before, but, like, <laughs> there was this uh, a feature in a magazine that my friends were running a while back, or people I knew, it was about, like, writers and their weekends. Mm. And, um, and... A lot of people, you know, obviously <clears throat> they're professional writers, so they wanted to make it sound great. And there yeah. was all this exciting stuff they were doing and like drugs and sex and partying. And I'm like, I'm, I write at the weekends. I'm just sitting indoors yeah. writing. Sometimes like, I give myself a treat or like sometimes if, if, if I'm in a gaming group, I'll go and do some D&D. Yeah. And that's my treat. Like I'm really boring when I'm not doing the public yeah, stuff because yeah. that's what. You, if you do cultural work, it's ninety five percent that. I think it's key to have, as I've said a couple of times now, what I like and connect with on you on there is it's key to have that awareness. Like I've I've had a load of stuff recently where I've been asked on specific podcasts or TV shows, and I've gone, I'm not an expert on that subject, and they'll, they'll generally be about topics that are going on in the news or whatever mm-hmm. else. And my point will always be, I don't think I can add anything. I'm not, no. It's not my area of expertise. I'd rather you get someone who either it is their expertise or they really want everyone to hear their voice. <laughs> I'm, I'm not either of those people. So it's like I'd, I'd rather pass on that. And if there's something that's like I had one, the first one I've accepted in ages, there was a thing, I think it's, I can't even remember who, uh, who it's with. It's either, it might be with The Independent or someone. But mm. I got an email just saying that, that someone's done, a, this is how much attention I've paid to it. But the subject grabbed me was someone's doing an article this week about uh, the, the the closing of a lot of the parks in right. and around London. Have you got any stories or memories of a park? And I was instantly, and my nan used to take me to Kelsey Park. And it's oh. my favourite park in the world and the squirrels would come and climb on you. And the coolest part, 
is they've got this pond and on one side of the pond there's no dogs allowed and on the other side there's dogs allowed and there's a bridge and a gate and you see the dogs looking over angrily because on the side that no dogs are allowed backs onto the houses so Uh. so all the local cats are chilling in the park and it was it's all like the no man's i still go there now there's cats just laying in the sun in the grass there's all these dogs on the other side like and they're they're just so happy just like no dogs are allowed to do it's sweet so on that i was like i can add something there i've got a story i want to tell so i replied to that instantly but other than that i'll generally be like no i don't think i'm your guy i think people have the wrong because i talk on a podcast every week they have the wrong perception i've got tons of opinions i generally trade off the fact i get interesting people in to talk rather than rather than it just be me um so let's kind of rewind and play around a little bit Mm -hmm. um we'll go all the way back to the beginning you you you, you're and we've only got about 15 20 minutes left so so we're going to jump about but you were born in in london but grew up in brighton right the 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 nature and nurture element Brighton's a great place to grow up, right? For 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 it, it, it is somewhere that's always been known for its openness, for its forward thinkingness. Is was yeah. that the case for you growing up? And do you think it's affected the area in which you work and write? And, we, and well, look, so Brighton was a great place to grow up and be a nerd. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but school is yeah, kind I, of a different. For, yeah. For a moment, I forgot there was any other thing, any other way to grow to, up. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Brighton's amazing, right? It's, like, oh, yeah. it's because I'm a nerd, right? Okay, yeah, of that's... course. Like, there's a comic shop. You, <laughs> yeah. you know, the goths walk on the beach. Yeah. It's, um, but, like, school is always a different universe. Yeah. In some ways, obviously it's changing now, but in terms of, like, being out, being political, being feminist, like, I, I knew one other girl who was into that sort of politics, and I yeah. met her in, in youth orchestra, and... Um, we became best mates, but there wasn't you know, there wasn't the internet. You couldn't yeah. find people, and you know if you were a nerd and you kind of didn't go out to a lot of parties, then there wasn't that much of a you know there wasn't much of like a queer scene. It's, but I do like to say sometimes. I mean that life has given me every opportunity to be a lesbian, it's, and, it's, and I've turned them down like an ungrateful so and so. Right, it's like, it's a fascinating. <laughs> As a subject prior to doing the podcast, I interviewed um, Moose Rockwonga, who's one of my favourite writers and one of my so best much. friends. And I interviewed him just for a project. I was, I was writing a script that was that had a lot of of of, of gender politics in, mm. or, or sexual uh, politics in there. And I wanted to talk to him about him coming out, him realising yeah. he was gay, and all this kind of. Thing. And he made a fascinating point, which I'd never considered. He was that he explained that for for him at, at that point, anyway most of the gay scene was very much based around going out and pulling and going out and getting laid there wasn't a gay scene of let's talk about books we like or let's do you know what i mean and there are more of them now as weird as it sounds there are now gay book fairs and things like that and it it was a fascinating thing because i was like right man how lucky am i as a a straight person that i could have i for years even if i was going to clubs wanting to pull but didn't have the bottle I could at least go and just enjoy it for what what it was. There wasn't that pressure or fear. Whereas on the gay scene, for his experience at least, that was all it was about. Mm -hmm. There wasn't any easing you in as such. It was very much straight bang. Here we are. We're we're, we're gay. We're we're now going home to have sex. It's like, wow. Whereas like, right, it's an interesting one. And again, it changes with the internet. But yeah, with communities like that, if you're considering your sexuality, you're thrown right in. And again, I think of Brighton as a great scene for 
for, for homosexuality and, and for the gay scene, but it's because of the clubs. So Absolutely. it's a different thing if you're a contemplative I'm now, um, team. I'm now a member of a online uh, LGBT board game group. Yes. Which is, you know, the, the fact that that exists will make me never, never abandon the internet. Yeah. The gay and queer board game group, it's, it's just what I've always wanted from my and, life. I mean, again, to interject as a, as a, as a straight male, I grew up with... Um, I had a fair few gay friends and there was a point where I was like, it annoys me that we have to go to gay bars so often because it's like, uh, why does it have to be about that? And then I realised years later, it's not about that. It's about comfort and it's about not being... Yeah. Like every bar is a straight bar as such and particularly in Essex. It's, yeah. it's the comfort of, it's not about going there, it's a gay bar, we're going there to pull. My mates were going there to be comfortably gay, to... Mm to put their hand on their boyfriend's leg when they're talking and nothing more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just things like that to have that comfort without feeling people are looking at you. And again, I know a lot of people will say a gay a gay board game club or whatever. It's like, well, why do you have to exclude? It's like, it's, every other one is excluding as such. Yeah. Is, 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 Sometimes you just want to hang out with other weirdos exactly. it's and the whole play Settlers of Catan. It's the whole real lives matter or, or white lives matter, all lives matter or whatever else. It's like, fuck off. Yeah. The, the Black Lives Matter isn't excluding this, isn't it? It's, 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 it's a it's small not. little area but, for its. You know, so many people will hear, oh, this is a club for just this kind of person, yeah. and feel, you know, get so angry because they're excluded. Suddenly they'll see something that's not for them mm-hmm. and feel that as discrimination when it's when it's not. You know, that women have to deal with this as part of, like, everyday, you know, spaces which are just made for guys. Yeah. Black people have to deal with you know, most spaces being assumed to be for white people first. Yeah. And then yeah. you turn Definitely. around and say, oh, there's, there's this, this one thing which is not necessarily for you first, even. Yeah. Um, you know, like, this, this board game group, I'm pretty sure that if a straight person wanted to come along, everybody would be very nice to yeah. them. You know, it's... Uh, it's just because cause everyone's a fluffy queer board gamer. You and my know? mate Chris is looking for, for people to play board games with. And he's straight, but I'm sure he's open to suggestions. So I reckon oh I reckon God. he's going to hit you up yeah, and yeah, come, yeah, yeah. And, and, come in, and play, go- tell him to get in touch. play board games. But yeah, it's exactly that. And the thing that opened my eyes a lot to it was, was realising, again, that I'm seeing it all through the eyes of a white male. Yeah. And it sounds like such a stupid thing to keep banging on about. And there will be certain people who are going as if I'm shaming our white males. I'm not. No. If you're listening as a white male, it's all right. But we are at a position of, 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 of privilege as such. And what I realised was a lot of my straight f- female friends preferred going to the gay club and yeah. to the gay park because it was exactly that. They're not having to deal with drunk straight guys hitting on them all night, which yeah. is a, it's that weird thing in our society that the, is perfectly yeah. acceptable. The only other place I've been to like that um, is in London is this... Um, I'm, got a couple of friends who were like into like, dominatrixes and they yeah. took me along to the club which was like a female domination club it was right. brilliant i'm not into that but it was the first so is time that, so that, it's doms and subs but like male female doms and male female subs su- yeah. female doms and and only males like, like guys could only go if they were like with a woman yeah. like right okay it was just I, I can't remember quite how it was organized but i just remember going in there and you know so like everyone was quite nice and polite yeah. and respectful for the yeah. first time like that I'd been in a club that that was the case and you know people would occasionally go up and can, go like can I lick your shoes please and you'd go actually no I'm having a conversation with my friend they go oh okay sorry like uh, no th- thanks thanks for 
you know, talking and like. I love it. It was. It was. It was great. You see, I love all that kind of things, just out of the the curiosity of of my nature. I I remember taking a few of my more Essex mates to a gay bar I liked in London once before a gig, and it being one of the first times it hit me that oh, some people are uncomfortable Mm -hmm. around this kind of thing because of how they've been brought up. In my mind, it was always like. This is cool, isn't it? This yeah. is unusual. Look how weird this. I wasn't sitting there thinking, if someone tries it on with me, there's going to be trouble. It's like, if someone tries it on with me, I'm like, how lovely. I mean, yeah. thank you, I'm not, but th- that's yeah. amazing. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, does it, you sound like you're a little bit excited by this whole, you know, suddenly realizing that you've been seeing things in a certain way. Yeah. And like, when you get beyond the defensive aspect, for me, like realizing all this stuff as a white person, a person with cis privilege, I mainly date guys. Yeah. And when I realize stuff that I just haven't seen or haven't un- appreciated because I've grown up with this privilege, it excites me. And I'm it's like, wow, f- I know more now. It's flicking a switch to your reaction to the unknown. Mm. And it's a very common a reaction to the unknown to react with fear that can then be interpreted as hate. Whereas if you react with curiosity, it's far more fun. And I kind of try and have that with absolutely everything. If there's a new (laughs) thing that I don't know about, it's like, wow, how does this work? And not that fear of, oh, what is this going to make me look this way or that way? It's like, I'm I'm learning about something, man. It's fascinating. You shouldn't have to have that. And the comfort of not knowing, if that makes sense, the comfort of not being an expert, the comfort of, of, of sitting with you or with, Jordan or with anyone else who's more versed in these areas, aware that I don't know all of the terms, all of the phrases, and I might say something wrong, but hopefully we're in a safe place where I can be corrected and learn yeah. rather than chastised. Yeah, straight white guys need safe spaces too. They do, Everyone they do. Everyone spaces. does. So, yeah. so what was so you did j- journalism at, u- at university, right? No, no, no. I no? did. Um, I started writing after uni. Right. Um, well, I've always wanted to do writing, yeah. but I, initially I thought I'd do fiction purely. Yeah. And then I got very sick when I was in my teens. I had right. like mental health problems. I was in hospital and I got better through yeah. uni. And then like for some reason the fiction didn't quite come back till much later. And I was like, right, I'm going to, there's that sense of lost time having yeah. been so ill and missed out a few years of my, my teen years. And I just said to myself, right, I'm going to give this a go. And I didn't know what I was doing. I was making it up as I went along, but I was, I've was i just worked my arse off for the past Did you find years. that the, 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 the stuff that you, you went through that may mm. have been challenging kind of gave you a starting point to jump off of on the writing point of view? I've, I've, I've got a lot of friends who've started off writing in mental health or started off writing in these other areas that have then gone on to write in all over the place because that... I don't know if a lot of people will think I want to write, but I've not really got anything to write about. Whereas right. if you've been through something horrible, as sad as again, mm. it's similar to saying how, man, your book's far more relevant all of a sudden. Yeah, it's, it's not exactly. saying it's a good thing, but the stuff you go through will sometimes give you a, all oh, right, I've got some shit to write about. And particularly in the days of live journal and stuff yeah. like that, where it is more personal. Well, look, do you I feel mean, that pushed you or? I've always had a lot to say about a lot of stuff, you know, but, (laughs) but I do, one of the things I do feel lucky about is that when I was, that I got a lot of my stuff, a lot of that stuff out the way when I was so young. So I came, you know, I was 20 years old. I'd come to London. I just graduated. I I went to uni a couple of years early. um, So I came to London and I'd already gone through treatment. I already knew what I needed to do to keep myself on the level. I'd already done a lot of that stuff, you know, much earlier than a lot of the other creative and, and, 
you know, political people I know had done it. Like, I knew a reasonable about about my limits. I knew yeah. what I could and couldn't get away with in terms of pushing myself. That's and great. that was... I, I, I feel really fortunate in that. Where, like, yeah. I kind of... You know, I do a lot of things to extremes. So I just I crashed and burned at 17, into hospital, nearly died. I, I was anorexic, right. um, among other things. And then... Um, I'm making it sound like like an anecdote. It wasn't very nice, and no, it was bad for my family. But like, it was yeah. And but then getting better from that, like I was like, right, I've done it all at. I've always kind of been in a rush mm. to get things over yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And but now I'm I'm writing more about mental health these days, actually, because I think it's more and more relevant um, to you know a lot of people are finding that coping with. The with political reality is a mental health issue. It always yeah. has been, but I think that's more acknowledged right now. Yeah. I write a lot about anxiety and depression and how our understanding of the future influences how we actually feel on a day-to-day it's, level. It's, it, it, it's all subjects that I think are greatly misunderstood, mm. um, partly because they're so individual and personal. Um, all of the ones uh, are listed there, including anorexia, can be such a from what I know, it can be such an individual and personal thing. It's Absolutely. not, if from the outside, it'll be, oh, you want to be skinny? Yeah. So that's not what it's about. It's not as simple as that. It's not as not. broke down as that. It's it's a complete um, rejection of of yourself. Yeah. You know, it's as, about aesthetically and as, 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 a, as a being as such yeah. coming, and it can it's, be it's an crippling. It's, a, it's an addiction behaviour. And like, for example, one of the things that a lot of people don't know about eating disorders is that, that it's estimated that around a quarter of people with eating disorders are LGBT in some right, way, not wow. straight, which is higher than the general population. Yeah. And so that kind of reaction against your own body um, is something to do with maybe the, the the trauma of having to grow up not straight in a world that wants you to be straight. Yeah, completely. And, you know, a lot of women develop, you know, eating disorders and other mental health problems. And, you know, when I was in hospital, the the understanding was that, oh, and I write about this in my book that you, you know, you get better from this by just accepting your role as a woman in the world. And it's a disorder about femininity. And, you know, you just have to, you know, accept that, you know, it's good to be a woman and, you know, there's nothing wrong with the world and, mm-hmm. and, and fix yourself. But what actually made me better in a way was understanding that actually there's some stuff that is not about me at all. Yeah. That actually it's it's legitimate to feel pissed off with the way the world is, to have 100%. you know so many women actually do grow up with trauma because they yeah. grew up as girls. And that's not that's not something it's, to just pathologize on an individual level. It's such a key one because I said it is it's that individuality of each experience and each each each, mm. each person because whoever's saying it's a case of almost snapping out of it is saying that with the best intentions, yeah. but that's from their experience, and mm-hmm. it's not from anyone else's experience. And I've I've talked a lot about a de- a depression on here, and talked mm. about people getting help. Now, I personally don't think I've ever suffered from depression that's because great. of exactly what you were saying. Though there's been times I've been really down, but it's because something shits happened. <laughs> and in my mind, it's again, it's like it's it's accepting that is a big deal. If if yeah. I jumped to I'm depressed, therefore I'm this this this, then I think at that point it would have been a mistake. I think acknowledging, right, no, I've just been through some horrible stuff. Mm. The cor- the correct and normal and human re- reaction is to, get is quite to be depressed. really sad for a yeah. bit. Yeah, exactly. So it's that that thing of, of finding the type of depression, the moment of depression and what you need to pull you out. And as I said, at times, I always remember a, 
are reading a friend of mine who suffers from depression a lot and they've done a post saying all the things that meant they were in a really bad place and, ha- yeah. and how depressed they felt about how much they failed. And it killed me because all of those things had applied to me that week and I, it hadn't crossed my mind I was in a bad place. I hadn't seen oh. any other people. I hadn't, hadn't left the house. But mm-hmm. I'd been perfectly happy and suddenly I read this post and I was like, oh shit, there's something wrong with me. I mean, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the acknowledgement of going, oh, I, in my mind, I was just getting on with stuff, but I've not seen people, I've not been out, I've not really opened the curtains much, but it's because yeah. I've been doing stuff and I've been escaping. Yeah. And, and that can mean, you're, it can mean you're depressed or it can mean you're just a misanthrope and yeah. you don't want to see anyone that week. Yeah. It's, I think, but talking about, talking about mental health on a political and, and on a social level as well, it's just, I mean, I know we're coming up to the end, but yeah. like, People talk about mental health, anxiety, depression. They don't talk about people's living situations. It's the biggest, the number one biggest predictor of having chronic anxiety or depression experiences is is being poor. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. not, and people are trying to say, oh, well, what you need to fix that is you need treatment, medication. You may well do. I'm mm-hmm. not saying people shouldn't have the care they need, but it's not just about a chemical, something broken in people's brains. It's something broken on a bigger level it's social situations and again equally for anyone who might think to 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 shoot that down or attack that it doesn't mean that there's not depression in all walks of society and class and so on and so forth and they're they're all equally of of value i think one of the big problems is when people are feeling depressed but feel oh i've got no right to be like there's people there's people living on the streets i feel that all the time and and things like that but again it's you've you've got a right to feel down and it doesn't yeah. have to be oh well it's not as bad as this person it's like cool but that person isn't you man that you're you're you and if you're having a rough time then you've got a right to have a rough time Absolutely. and to try and pull through but yeah it is a fascinating one that the uh, solutions are always looked at, at dealing with the problem rather than potentially preventing the problem or the yeah. causes of the problem preventative mental health care i mean the 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 difference in terms of like what background you come from people that nobody has a any more or less right to be miserable and pissed no, off exactly. than anyone else um the the difference is in terms of the treatment that people have access to yeah. honestly and that's more and more the case but like yeah the i've been like all messed up for the past few weeks I got dumped and then I got dumped again and a project I was doing fell through and I was I, I was very very sad and yeah. feeling very self-indulgent about it because I was like oh my god I get to travel I get to go on awesome podcasts I get you know to have a career where I can do something I love every day what right have I got to complain and that yeah. just is that nobody is helped by that train of thinking no, no. nobody's helped by you additionally beating yourself up for not deserving to be sad yeah it's um so there's this uh, i read eat pray love a few years ago isn't it's a very very silly silly book yeah um but the the thing i loved about it there was one moment which was beautiful in it where she describes um you know she she went out and did the kind of stereotypical you know white lady thing of going out and kind of really helping out in a uh in in a disaster zone in yeah. the in the global south i can't even remember where it was 
um, doing psychological work and, and therapy work. And one of the things that she, I think it was her or it was a story she told in the book. But anyway, a therapist in that situation was expecting all these people who'd been, you know, experiencing this disaster to be traumatized and, you know, just talking about, oh my God, all my family's gone and I've got nothing to eat at all. And, but instead, what all these people wanted to talk about, like by far the most common was, so there's this guy. Like and and it's all it's, it's the same That's stuff. Amazing. Yeah, and, yeah, And you know yeah, it's like yeah. well you know I was I was cling, clinging to this bit of wood in the tsunami and there was this guy clinging to the wood and you know I, I think he, maybe he likes me but maybe it was just a situation that brought yeah. us together and I don't know if I can. What do you think? And, and that normal shit doesn't go away. It's, it's yeah. It's it's the, it's the human sh- shit that will break everyone down. Yep. Often, if something truly horrific happens to you in your life, you're not equipped to process it properly mm-hmm. so there, there, there will be a level of distancing whereas that kind of stuff that's what we all go through everybody's up the when regular. they get dumped I had, even, um, no matter I had, wherever they live i had this idea for a song for years and i was trying to work on it and i'll still work on it at some point but the idea was good god or whoever else comes to you or some person comes to you and says right you can have one truth mm. so just just one truth so you could choose to know who killed jfk did the moon landing happen? Like, was Jesus real and all that? And it was this whole thing, and it was going to go through all this. And at the end, he was going to ask if if Sarah ch- cheated on him when he was eighteen. Yeah. Because again, it's this thing that's going to be planned. Really, I swear, her and my best mate, they went off that time, and I swear <laughs> something happened. And you could have any fact in the world solve the mysteries of that's history, the one that's and you'll be like, "But did she cheat on me?" Because uh, I really need to know. And yeah. it's it's the human side of it all. Well. And let's wrap things up there. Where can people find out? Um, first of all, uh, what's your new book called? Sorry? It's called Bitch Doctrine. Bitch Doctrine, and and that's it's, uh, available coming everywhere, out. Right? Yeah, yes, it'll be available everywhere by the time this goes out. Yes. Um, it's on Amazon, but there are also lots of sites you can go if you don't want to go through Amazon, like to support local bookshops. Yeah. And you can find my work on Twitter at at Penny Red, or honestly, just by googling my name. Yeah, perfect. And 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 I mean, we didn't. A touch upon it, but I think you have got a great story in the in 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 starting Penny Red as a blog, yeah. and then that turning into and as as as, as frivolous as we can talk about it, <laughs> make it, but turn it into printed, published yeah. releases. It it does mean something. It is weird it and it is backwards. Into... It's not the be all and end all, but it's a beautiful thing yeah. that, that allows you yeah. to then get taken seriously elsewhere. It gets into different people's hands. Like yeah. the, what my what I'm hoping is that just somebody is going to give this to teenagers, yeah. honestly, yeah. and and it'll be a bit more lasting. That's what books are good for. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you very much. Thank it's you. been an it's absolute been joy. Thank you. There we go. That was a Laurie Penny. I hope I haven't angered tons of people on the internet. I probably have. I regularly anger internet people. Um, I mean, come at me, bro, at Scroobius Pipio on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com slash Scroobius Pip. So if there's any issues, then let's do this. I'll probably ignore it. I'm not an aggressive, confrontational type of guy. Um, I should mention... The Distraction Pieces podcast has a Facebook page. 
It has an Instagram page and it has a Twitter page. Um, and I'd like you to all check them out. Like we post little videos and little segments and sections as well as information. So it's not just a repeat of what I post on my personal page. It's, it's a variation of stuff. So check them out and give them some love if you get a chance. Other than that, I will be back next week when I'm joined by Sophie Hagen. Uh, we had a lovely chat. In fact, when I'm recording this intro, I'm recording it a couple of weeks in advance of this going out because I'm all over the place at the moment, but I just recorded the episode with Sophie today. So uh, it was a lovely chat. I know it's a good one. Um, I'm going to be on her podcast on the same day. So we're going to release them both and just go, listen, here's us talking loads. So yeah, check that out next week. Um, Other than that, I'll see you in a bit. Ta-ta.